0: You're listening to the Co Main Event
1: Podcast. And now your hosts, Ben Folks and Chad Dundas.
0: That's right. You're listening to another episode of the Co Main Event Mixed Martial Arts Podcast. I'm your co host from ESPN.com, Chad Dundas. And joining us, as always, from USA Today and MMAJunkie.com, it's your friend and mine, Ben Folks. Ben, let's set the stage for people. Okay. Uh, It's Sunday. Mm -hmm. We're recording the co-main event podcast a day early, a day earlier than we normally do. On the Lord's Day. On the Lord's Day. Uh, We're at your house instead of my house. And about 20 minutes ago, I showed up here uh, before you got here. And then while I was waiting for you... You
1: Seconds. You were here seconds before I was
0: here. And then you pulled up on your bike, shirtless... Coasted up, really. Coasted up on your bike, shirtless, wearing a pair of wraparound shades. <laughs> well, that's an embellishment. I wish I had a pair of wraparound shades. You like were the wearing Hitman. a pair of a pair of wraparound sunglasses. shades.
1: Just regular old sunglasses. Got them at the mall. But go on.
0: And you you were just coming back from jits, which is what you called it, which I thought was a pretty slick. Well, move. that's
1: in text messaging. I was trying to be as lazy as possible. Text messaging.
0: Oh, well, I just want everyone to know exactly how hard you're rolling. Like you are not. You're not half stepping yeah. up here. No. You are going. Full throttle, balls to the wall, all the time.
1: Would you even go so far as to say hard as a motherfucker?
0: <laughs> you are going hard as a motherfucker. And when I first saw you on your bike, I passed you in my car, and I didn't even—I thought you were a homeless person. I didn't even <laughs> recognize you. Yeah, well, I mean, but now you, you put on your wife beater now, so I know yeah, that I it's you. It up. You classed it up for the recording in my of the defense, podcast. Chad
1: Dundas. It's hundred and twenty degrees out here. It's pretty damn hot. It
0: is hot. I'll give you that much.
1: So I'm I'm riding around on my bike, especially if I spend my days normally cooped up indoors uh in front of a computer growing paler and sadder as the days go on, the few opportunities when I'm outside in the sun, which itself not a lot of opportunities in Montana,
0: I got to take my shirt off. I got to I got to let the, let the torso get some sun exposure, man. Come on. I guess. I guess. I mean, that's as good of, of an explanation as we're going to get. Yeah now as even as good as you deserve even though we're recording this a day early by the time uh everyone hears it which i'm sure between now and then some some insane mma news will break
1: yeah, the ufc will go bankrupt
0: yeah they will be sold to uh uh mls soccer <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: um by the time people hear this they will have a little over 2 weeks to get their submission to the co-man event podcast music contest in or two we have 2 weeks left to get your uh, submission in. The rules are at the website comanevent.com. We've already got a couple of submissions. They are excellent. I think we've got some early front runners, but don't let that discourage you if you are thinking of entering the contest. You should. It's a have it's going to e- be a great time for everyone. Have the Eagles submitted anything yet? I'm going back and forth with Don Henley's people. Okay. We're we're talking about I it. don't
1: I don't care for them. I'm just saying that right now. <laughs> well,
0: now I, I don't think that that probably bodes well for their, for their entry into hey, the competition.
1: Enter if you want to, the Eagles. But I'm just telling you right now, uh, I'm starting off a little bit against you. If that guy with the Swedish punk
0: rock band enters, I'm just saying, you're probably fucked. Funny you should mention that because it seems like we are going to get some new music from Skunks here in the next few oh, weeks. Sweet. They contacted us to say they've got some new stuff out. Wanted to know if we wanted the to new use album it, dropped. Wanted to you know if we wanted to use it on the on the podcast. I haven't got back to to them yet, but the answer is yes, obviously, <laughs> obviously. And Ben, this week's music comes from uh, listener Jeremy Cole and his band. Today the moon, tomorrow the sun.
1: That's the band name. That's the band name, not like an album name or
0: no. That's the band name. Today the, the moon, tomorrow or, the
1: sun. Even the, like a tour name be an well, awesome tour name.
0: I am also in a band that has a very long name, so I'm not going to cast aspersions here. <laughs> okay. You know? Um, and, and they are from Atlanta, Georgia, and you can find music from them on their website, todaythemoon.com. If, so they didn't even do the full name on the website because they know it's too long. Anyway, Ben, this week the co-main event podcast comes to everyone in three rounds, as usual, In round number one, has it gotten to the point leading up to UFC 162 that now people are starting to overlook Anderson Silva? And in round number two, holy shit, you guys, did you see that war MMA video? Holy shit. And in round number three, how do you put a price on potentially getting your brain smashed to pieces on national television? We'll be doing all that. Plus, are you fucking kidding me? And just saying stuff. But right now, like we always do about this time, Let's do some listener mail. Listener mail. Ben, the first piece of listener mail comes to us from Mark Runza. He writes war machine for president. No, only joking. My Uh, real question is, do you guys think this convict slash porn star slash uneducated homophobic guy hurts the sport? I try and tell all my friends that they aren't just dumb cavemen, that it's not what they, that the sport is not what they assume it is. I'm sure he's bringing Bellator some publicity, but with it, well, he's, I'm sure he's bringing Bellator some, some publicity with it. But is it a case of any publicity is good publicity for MMA? Well, for one thing, I think let's talk about the difference in Bellator's
1: reaction to this kind of stuff and War Machine's whole baggage in general, as opposed to the UFC's way of dealing with their fighters. Am I the only one feeling like Bellator kind of likes this? Like, oh, no, Bellator seems totally into it. They're really playing up the "hey, he's a porn star who's been to jail" kind of thing.
0: Yeah, what did they say about him that they were going to uh, uh, f- promote him and focus on his like peculiar peculiarities?
1: There you go, nailed it.
0: Yeah, I nailed that uh, one. And
1: they keep like they'll cut to his girlfriend, the, who's also a porn star, kind of thing. Uh, but to the question, I mean, for one thing, let's take a look back and remember that War Machine was supposed to be in Bellator a while ago. And did not make it because of him being so goddamn war machine all the time. I think that it was after he got fired from the UFC for um, you know saying some stuff about Evan Tanner and then refusing a fight, and so they cut him. And then he was on the verge of signing with Bellator, right? And he made and this dates this, I believe, a MySpace post. Um, <laughs> wow. Yeah, about uh, you know fucking Obama. I think was the the general. Thesis of it, and then it's like, oh, okay, no, he's not going to be in Bellator after all. And now that they they got different ownership, now they got him, and they're really playing up the the whole war machine stuff. I mean, are you into that? Are you are you you loving to see? Uh, hey, well, no, I mean the peculiarities. It's, it seems
0: it seems really strange. Does it not uh, that Bellator, a company that seems to like have to fight and scratch for any bit of legitimacy that it gets, even within the the small MMA community it seems weird that and almost and I don't I don't you know I don't want to make this implication about Bellator but almost as though they've cashed their chips a little bit you know with this and like the rampage signing it it almost seems like they're at the point now where they're like well we just better do whatever we can to try to make news and get people to watch our shows
1: or that they're just looking at what the UFC is doing and being like well Okay, they're not. They want all their guys to not say stupid shit and, and you know be controversial and uh, draw a bunch of criticism. But well, we got to be not the UFC, so we want those guys say a bunch of crazy shit.
0: And hey, I- I'm always the guy who says that Bellator should should try to take pains to offer a product that the UFC does not offer. I'm just not sure that that product is War Machine. Uh, uh, I'm not sure that being totally into War Machine is is the right way to go if you're trying to build a. Uh, I don't know. Have you a- been? Have you been following his Twitter? Well, just in the last twenty minutes, since you've been sitting over there reading his tweets, just giggling like a schoolgirl at, at every single one of them. Sample tweet
1: for our, for our listeners: Little gay guy at Taco Bell threw some cinnamon twists on my tray for free ninety nine. I ain't mad at him. Why wouldn't you follow this guy's Twitter?
0: That's <laughs> incredible. <laughs> I know that you are super into it, uh,
1: but you know, t- professional athlete Taco Bell little gay guy throws some cinnamon twists on his
0: tray he's a little happy about it uh I guess more to mark runs' point no, nah, man it seems real weird it seems weird that that Bellator is as into war machine as they are and uh I'm not sure it's it's advisable <laughs> anyway the the uh the next two pieces of listener mail we wanted to read because they go together they they come in concert so to speak um and I'm just gonna I'm just gonna read the both of them and then we can. We can talk about them because they're they're related. The first one's from Alex Robertson, and he writes, I recently got engaged, and about a month and a half ago, my engagement party was set for June 6th. Let me spell it out for you guys. No way in fuck I'm missing Silva versus Weidman, and I sure as hell don't miss Frankie Edgar fights. I can't very well say to the host of this party, who is already spending loads of cash on this thing, hey, drop an extra $54.99 on some fights for the groom. So far, my options are hijack a laptop, illegally stream it, and disappear into the bathroom for two sessions of 15 and 25 minutes, or I can just shoot myself. What to do? So we got that uh, Mm -hmm. piece of listener mail, and then we also got this email from Anders Lau, which just says, I'm getting married next Saturday, which happens to be the same night as Silva versus Weidman. As a married man, as married men and well-rounded fight fans, is there a way I can manage both events? I feel like
1: we're kind of stepping into like a, a Dear Abby etiquette role here.
0: Yeah. Which an, I'm into. An, I think I can gradually advice, see the podcast
1: becoming only that.
0: Just an only advice? Yeah. MMA-related advice? <laughs> yeah. Or just we'll go hog wild Dr. Phil style?
1: Yeah. No. We're going to want to be like giving people advice on like baby showers and shit six months down the road. We're going to branch out. This one, I mean, I feel like two different situations. One of the dudes, engagement party. One of the dudes, wedding.
0: Yeah. Uh, Certainly wedding, a bigger deal.
1: Yeah. Right? I mean, at engagement party, I feel like maybe, you know, you drink some Ipecac so you're vomiting everywhere and, you know, you make sure enough people see you just vomiting on stuff and you can skip it and stay home secretly watch UFC 162. And wedding, you're going to have to fake your own death, I think.
0: Yeah, it's going to take something like that. But, you know, uh, we don't know Anders Lau, so we we don't know what, is, what the plan is for the wedding. And I think it's going to come down a lot on the uh, the run of play of the wedding. You know, maybe maybe they can get this thing knocked out in fifteen minutes, you know, from three till three fifteen in the afternoon. Yeah. And then you put in a, a couple few good hours at the reception. You sneak away, you watch UFC one sixty two, no problem. Now if it's if it's a more traditional type setting and uh but you know then it depends
1: where you're getting like for instance, Chad Dundas, I don't know if our listeners know this, but you got married right outside a barn. There's nowhere to that's sneak true. off in the, near the barn to watch UFC 162.
0: Yeah, but at our wedding, no one wanted to sneak off because it was just so fucking awesome. <laughs> Everyone was having just such a great time.
1: And you had the good sense to not schedule it on the same day as a big UFC event.
0: Yeah, I see how that could happen, though, you know? Especially when you're, when you're sitting down and trying to plan your wedding. It's not like... They always if you're do a not, big one around
1: the 4th of July. That's true, but always. if you're not... That's on you. Like that's on if, you, Anders Lau.
0: If you're not a professional who's paid to cover the sport... I can see how you wouldn't necessarily cross-reference with the UFC's schedule to, uh, to try to schedule your wedding. Well, hey,
1: well, you know, I guess good news for the UFC that people are thinking about how do I get out of my marriage vows in order to watch this event. I mean, that means you got yourself an event really worth seeing when that happens, right?
0: Yeah, so we're going with, for Alex Robertson, fake sickness, and for Anders Lau, you're probably fucked. But if you're willing to fake your own death.
1: Yeah. I'm saying to... it's just like, you know, a boat that people saw you in then explodes. That's awesome. Like, I mean, that's just something that that's an experience you should have just at some point in your life anyway. Right. Faking your own death. Well, blowing up a boat. Oh,
0: OK. Yeah. No, blowing blowing okay. up a boat. But sure. even
1: better if it's faking your own death.
0: All right. Well, let's do uh, the last bit of listener mail here. It comes to us from Corey Weichard, who writes speculation time. Do cornermen truly make a difference? After listening to the Gracie Diaz crew make all manner of insane comments, I am left feeling like cornermen may play more of an emotional support role than anything else. While I'm certainly no professional MMA coach, some of the corner advice I hear during pay-per-views seems pretty useless, such as when coaches shout, Get up! to their downed fighter. Even when receiving sound advice, I'm not sure how well a human being can even absorb tactical instructions while jacked up on adrenaline. Do you guys remember UFC 100 when Michael Bisping's terrifying Cockney corner man <laughs> screamed at him to circle away from Henderson's right hand? We all know how well that worked out, man. It's kind of as an aside, it's too bad. We don't have Sir Nigel here today to, to, to bring to, us to that do accent his terrible in, uh,
1: Bisping impression.
0: Yeah. In, in, uh, you know, in his impression, uh, are corner men the, the combat sports equivalent of NASCAR of a NASCAR pit crew, or are they more like therapists? Note, this question is a byproduct of Folks's TMB position that Matt Sarah's absence will have no meaningful effect on Weidman's chances against Silva. Now, see, I would take issue with that, because without Matt Sarah there, how is Chris Weidman going to know whether or not he's breathing? <laughs> You're breathing, Chris. You've been the here marine. a thousand times. <laughs>
1: Okay, I think my point in the TMB was, at least partially, if you're fighting the greatest fighter on the planet, having the dude in your corner who yells, remember to breathe, yeah, uh, breathe that's, and not, that, that's not the difference between winning and losing against the greatest fighter on the planet. Yeah, probably not. Uh, probably but not. to the question in general... I think a lot of it depends on the fighter and the experience level, because I do think that there, you know, the you can get meaningful advice even during the fight, and especially in between rounds. I think we see guys can like adjust their game plan, make adjustments based on what their corners are telling them. Especially, you know, their corners are going to see certain stuff that you're not necessarily going to see if you're actually in there. And I think, you know, if you're if you train with these guys all the time and you know somebody's voice, uh, if they shout out something for you to do, like something, you know, like move your left arm or something, or you know, attack that leg, you know, it's like you hear their voice and you you can pick that voice out of all the other noise that's going on if you and that person really know each other really well. So the the corner can have an effect, but. And the Diaz one I think was maybe an extreme example.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, Which is still up at the website, by the way. If 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 you guys didn't catch it when Ben sent it out on his Twitter, it's it's over at dot You can log on and, and check out how preoccupied the Diaz camp is with motherfuckers being all wet and shit. <laughs> and
1: at one point during the BJ Penn fight, Caesar Gracie just shouting, Fucking Hawaiians. Uh I mean that seemed like they're cherry picking, so I'm, <laughs> I'm sure they give him actual more actionable advice. Uh but I think uh, Especially for uh, an older fighter, a fighter with a lot more experience, then it is a lot more about, like, moral support, having these dudes around you in the days leading up to the fight, somebody that can help keep you comfortable, keep you from getting too stressed out, Um, and then if they can, you know, if the fight even goes long enough for them to be able to give you some advice, you can put it into play, hopefully.
0: Yeah, and I actually think that Corey Weichard makes a good uh, uh, comparison here asking if they're like a NASCAR pit crew or like a team of therapists. It seems like, and as you said, probably depends a lot on the individual fighter and uh, his experience level and and relationship with his team. But it seems like a little of both really yeah. is probably the best case scenario because there, there are going to be times when guys come back to the corner and they do need to be physically put back together either by a cut man or uh, – by the uh by the by having their their corner men shake out their arms which is <laughs> something weird their that, arm, yeah. that happens all the time uh so there's that and then you know there's always the uh the mental aspect of the game either uh keeping a guy focused and and competing at a high level if he has been or sort of like maybe building him him back up a little bit and i think we've always seen that greg jackson is one of the best at that uh, he just, no matter what is happening in the fight, he seems to be 100% cool, calm, and collected. Uh, nobody infantilizes their fighters in the corner better than Greg <laughs> Jackson, uh, which, again, I think, actually, UFC 100, again, when when St. Pierre was fighting, yes. he came back to the corner, and, and St. Pierre said that he injured his groin, and Jackson was talking to him. He's like, okay, George, well, I don't want to hear about your groin right now. We're just going to go out there and keep fighting. We're just going <laughs> to keep doing what we're doing. And so, you know, I've always felt like whenever I see Greg Jackson come into a guy's corner and talk like that, I always kind of wish that Greg Jackson could just sort of talk me through my day every yeah. day, uh which I think would be probably very beneficial and for all we know is quite beneficial to uh fighters when they're when they yeah. have to come back into the corner and kind of reset, relax, get their breath back. Yeah, there should be a Greg Jackson app that you can download on your phone. That's actually probably a million dollar idea. Yeah. I think that
1: I feel like I'd get a lot more use out of that than I would out of the Bruce Buffer app. <laughs> Which actually sadly exists. Does it really? Yeah. What does
0: that do? What if I download the Bruce Buffer app, what am I? What am I going to get? Uh you and know, will like it need to know my location?
1: It's time. Yeah, it'll probably want to know your
0: location and post as you on Facebook. But hey, you're not doing anything there anyway. Okay. No, that's true. Uh, well, that's going to do it for listener mail this week. If you have a question, comment, or concern that you would like to air to the podcast for future episodes, you know how to get a hold of us at this point. Go to the website comainevent.com and click the link in the top right-hand corner of the page that says email the podcast. And don't forget that two more weeks for the Main Event Podcast Music Contest. You can email us your submission as an MP3 by uh, just emailing that to comaineventpodcast at gmail.com. The submission guidelines are also at the website, comainevent.com.
1: Unless you are the Eagles, in which case, fuck you.
0: (laughs) I'm glad we got that straight. Anyway, uh, we are going to go ahead right now and segue into round number one. Well, Ben, it's been a couple of months now since I enraged a portion of the co-main event podcast listening audience that rhymes with drazilians by <laughs> suggesting that Chris Weidman had the potential to beat Anderson Silva when those two guys fight at UFC 162, which is this weekend. You
1: know his specs nothing.
0: <laughs> and in the interim between then and now... uh I feel like Chris Weidman has become a real sexy pick out there with the with the MMA oh, media on. types, and uh, uh, a lot of the uh, of the of the coverage seems to be giving Chris Weidman a great chance to beat Anderson Silva. Um, so I guess I just want to check in on you, find out where you're at with that, find out uh, if anything that has happened in the in the you know the 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 uh, ensuing few months has either made you think that Chris Weidman has a better or a, a less better. That's not how you say that. Less better chance of beating Anderson Silva this weekend at UFC 162.
1: I feel like I I have not changed my position too much. I still feel like yeah, Chris Weidman's style is probably the style that presents the most problems to Anderson Silva, but his inexperience combined with the year-long layoff is what makes me think that he will probably lose that fight. I think he'll, you know, he he still has the potential to win. He'll still probably do pretty well in it, but when you have less than ten pro fights and you've been off that long, I think that affects you more than uh, you know, a more experienced fighter who's used to maybe a slower pace and, and it's all kind of the same thing to him. I mean, for a guy like Anderson Silva, yeah, fighting big big deal. Title fight, Fourth of July weekend in, in Las Vegas and, you know, you've been have all this media stuff around you and all this uh shit to worry about for weeks beforehand. Oh yeah. Well, I mean that's just what his life has been like for like the last five years. So I don't think that affects a guy like him as much, but Chris Weidman, first first trip through the uh, the little rinse cycle there, I think that, that that's going to affect him more than he can really prepare for.
0: Yeah, I do agree with you that if there's a if there's a concern about Chris Weidman, that is probably it. Um, he does come into this fight with without a ton of MMA experience. I think this is this will be his tenth MMA fight, uh, and he he also comes in after an extended layoff. Um, and so I think the, that if, if you're a, a, one of Weidman's guys, maybe that's what worries you. You, you either worry that uh, he's not going to be able to, to step up to the moment that he's going to be kind of like uh, overcome by the moment or that, 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 that layoff is going to affect him in, in a way that will allow Anderson Silva to, to capitalize on him and make him look just as mortal as everyone else that Anderson Silva has destroyed over the years.
1: I mean, uh, I think that that's the thing that the people are kind of overlooking is that, yeah, you can say this guy has the style that has done better against Anderson Silva, but it's still not the style that has prevailed against Anderson Silva because he still ends up, you know, against those guys, maybe he'll lose the first round, but then find a way to beat them in, you know, the second or third or fourth or fifth. Like, I mean, that's the problem with it, is It's saying, like, these things that make you think that Chris Weidman will be one of the dudes who does not look like a total fool against Anderson Silva does not necessarily mean that that will lead to a victory for him.
0: Yeah, I mean, he he does have a style that's a little bit like the guys that, that have given Anderson Silva trouble, but I also think he's he's different in some ways. I think he's got a lot more potential and ability to stop a fight. If he's able to put it where he wants to, I okay, mean, okay, I'll give you that. If you, uh, the, the 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 relevant comparison, at least in recent history, is probably Chael Sonnen, because Sonnen also a wrestler like Weidman, as everyone knows, damn near beat Anderson Silva the first time they fought. Uh and it, it's sort of a valid comparison, but I think Sonnen probably has better takedowns than Chris Weidman. In that, Chael Sonnen has kind of better takedowns than everyone, it seems. <laughs> uh but the thing that Weidman has that Sonnen didn't is the ability to finish somebody. I mean, Sonnen's game for his entire career has always been take a guy down and grind on him and, and win the decision. And you know, so much so that he eventually incorporated it into his professional wrestling uh, shtick, if you will, saying that dudes who, who went out there and, and uh, went after stoppages were lazy, that they didn't want to go out there and fight 15 minutes, yeah. uh, which is always one of the, one yeah, of the more the things. He wants to go things. home
1: and see himself on the TV, on the DVR for as long as possible. Yeah. And in fact, that's,
0: that, that's always been one of Chael Sonnen's big faults is that, you know, uh, prior to, to his recent loss, Anderson Silva, his, his MO, his entire career had been that he would take a guy down and be on top of him and then get tapped out from the bottom because he would never finish anybody. He would just kind of, go for decisions. Weidman's not like that. I think he has six stoppages in nine fights. Okay, first but round stoppages. two, like, that's my, I mean, I, I'm not trying to sit here and
1: shoot down Chris Weidman's right, right to be here. I do and think that- And I'm not
0: necessarily trying to, like, really super argue for Chris Weidman. No, he's your guy. But, uh, he's one of my guys <laughs> yeah, now? Yeah. Right. A, Does he have a nickname? Can I get the website going here? Or am uh, I just going to have to go with chrisweidman.tv? Yeah,
1: that one is kind of weak. What is he, the All-American or something? Doesn't he have that same Sure. Let's go
0: allamerican.tv. No. That'll work. No, I'm well, sure that's available. That's,
1: well, that's boring. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure that no, is. No, and I hear, but, what,
0: I hear what you're saying about competition, and it will certainly be an enormous step up in competition for Weidman to go from fighting dudes like Tom Lawler and Damian Maya and Mark Munoz to then now fighting Anderson Silva for the middleweight title. On the other hand, like, who would you say... In the middleweight division, you would fight where you would be like, oh, yeah, well, he's fought a dude like Anderson Silva. Yeah. He's fought that kind of competition before. There's nobody. Like yeah. everyone comes in at that disadvantage because you're going to fight a fucking alien from the future <laughs> who's journeyed back in time to teach people how to fight. <laughs> yeah, that is true. Like there is not. I mean, there's no one I would
1: rather see Anderson Silva fight in the middleweight division right now than Chris Weidman. I think that's the most interesting fight out there for him at the same time. I think, you know, you look at his his finishing record, and it's like the best guy he's finished is Mark Munoz, um, who's good, you know? Mark Munoz, good fighter, tough guy to put away. Uh, but I don't know if that necessarily means that it'll be just because that you can put away a guy like Mark Munoz that you can do the same thing as Silva. I mean, maybe you can. Eventually, Anderson Silva has to get old, right? Fuck, eventually. It has to happen. One of these nights that Anderson Silva shows up and suddenly realizes he doesn't have it anymore. I mean, I don't know if it'll be now. There's not really been a whole lot of evidence to suggest that like he's even heading in that direction uh it has to happen eventually I suppose though uh you know to me I think you mentioned before though how it seems like the perception has maybe shifted like towards Chris Weidman I wonder if that is more that that feels more interesting to be to talk about oh here's the guy the young guy coming up might dethrone the champ other than just being like no champ's gonna win again because he's awesome and he always wins like I feel like that's just more boring for people so it's, it's tempting to jump out there on a guy like chris weidman and been like oh look at look at his record who, who cares if we haven't seen him fight in a while we haven't seen him fight anywhere near this level of competition
0: yeah and it's certainly more uh saleable if you're the ufc for yeah. sure and which... it's working because dudes are trying to get out of their goddamn weddings to watch this fight <laughs> that is true it, it you know it, but it seems to me like kind of a weird psychological experience it must be a weird psychological experience for chris weidman because he is a dude who doesn't have very much experience. He's only got, I think, uh, four or five fights in the UFC, maybe six. I'm not sure. Uh, but
1: if only there was some way to know.
0: <laughs> uh, it, it's got to be a weird experience for the, that dude to like get inserted into this title fight, and then suddenly have at least the sales pitch for the event be, and this guy could totally win. Like, do you <laughs> think that that? Uh, I mean, I guess he, I guess if you're a professional MMA fighter, you have to believe you're going to win. But at the same time, like, does the feeling that there is an expectation that he's going to win, or like the the feeling that oh, this is the guy who's going to dethrone Anderson Silva, do you think that that negatively affects a dude's uh, psychology, a, a guy like Weidman, or like his preparation for the fight, or that he feels way more pressure?
1: Yeah, you know, I don't know if we know enough about Weidman to know how. He takes things like how he works through some of those more complicated psychological issues. I would think if you were like in any way a normal person, one of the things that would be so tough about fighting a guy like Anderson Silva is no matter how confident you get yourself and how much, you know, your your team of Matt Sarah and Ray Longo are, are shouting in your ear, telling you how you're breathing and you're awesome, like and how even if you really get to that point where you're super confident, you really believe I'm going to be the next middleweight champ, this is my time, all that stuff. There's got to be some part of your brain that is willing or ready to go into that fight. And then as soon as Anderson Silva does something awesome, be like, oh, wait, is this how it feels? Is this how all those other dudes felt? Like, is this how it goes that, yeah, he really is this awesome and I, and I'm just about to find it out. Oh shit. Like that, that's got to be some part of your brain that goes in there with it buried in there that, Hey, there's a reason that this dude has been the greatest middleweight on the planet for like the last seven years. Uh, and I mean, I think that that I won't say makes it easier to quit, but does make it so that I can see how guys could beat themselves mentally before the fight starts when when you're dealing with that.
0: Yeah, and again, like you said, we don't know that much about Chris Weidman, but I guess my sense is it. My sense of it is that he doesn't seem like that kind of a dude. He doesn't seem like the kind of guy who is going to be you know overshadowed by the moment or a guy who's gonna uh, you know freeze up or anything like that. In a little, he has sort of a. Uh, a little bit of the same Randy Couture style confidence of these guys who have been in a fucking million wrestling matches, right? <laughs> uh, where Weidman, I think, was a two-time All-American and 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 a placer a couple times at the NCAA uh, uh, tournament. And so a lot of these guys, and I know Couture did this, came into these fights with the mindset of like, well, I've done this. 7,000 times before, so it's not really that big of a deal, which always seemed like a weird trick to play on yourself to me, because yeah, I, I you know, still no matter who like, you're wrestling, they're not going to punch you their yeah. fist through your face like Anderson Silva. Yeah, and that the fist the, isn't going to go through the back of your head. And,
1: the ability that Anderson Silva has to make you look dumb, I think, uh, might freak some people out because i think that's when fighters talk about fear and stuff i don't think many guys who get to that level are they're not really worried you know it's not like the fear of like oh i don't want my jaw broken that would suck i mean it would suck and most of us would fear that but i don't think they really worry about the physical stuff so they don't want to embarrass themselves they don't want to go out there and you know everybody's watching it's your big moment and you end up looking stupid and people you know are making photoshops of you the next day there that scares people way more than the physical stuff and Anderson Silva has that ability to do that he's done it to so many people i think that that plays more of a role than you know a guy like George St-Pierre if he beats you he just kind of dominates you the whole way through uh and it's you know there's not a reason to be that 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 same dread of just being made a, a fool out of on this huge stage and especially one thing not to be awed by the moment on conference calls and stuff like that you hit las vegas and fourth of july weekend you're you know doing all these interviews all the time it helps to have gone through that before i think
0: yeah, and even if you're not odd by the moment, it might, at the end of the day, turn out that Anderson Silva is just a thousand times better than you.
1: Because he's from the
0: future. That's right. But And one of the things about Anderson Silva, just to piggyback on what you just said about how he can make you look dumb, it's not only that he can make you look dumb, and, <laughs> and I feel like this is an, an aspect of Anderson Silva's personality that is overlooked a lot. Uh, it's not that, that he can make you look dumb. It's that that dude has rabbit ears a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, he's going to show up at the conference call and the press conference and say all the right things. Uh, or at least Ed Source is going to say all the right things for him. But, uh, he, he's going to clown you if he feels like he can and that you deserve it. Like, he, he might clown you even if you ha- haven't done anything to deserve it. Yeah. But I'm, that's, I like mean, Demian Maya, what did he do? He didn't really <laughs> well, do those, anything. Those dudes had beef, right? Some sort of Brazilian beef that no one else understood. Including Demian Maya. Right. <laughs> Anderson Silva is a dude who is, really really uh kind of touchy and susceptible to this to the pre-fight hype like uh the second time he fought chael Sonnen, you could tell that he wanted to just clown the dude and when he fought uh uh well Stefan bonner that that was just a an unbelievable clown session from yeah, start to just, finish just
1: put on a little show for the for the folks at home
0: i think anderson silva is a dude that that if he feels like he's been disrespected in some way leading up to the fight that he is actually going to do some futuristic shit that makes you just look foolish.
1: And he also seems like he might interpret as a sign of disrespect. The fact that you accepted the fight.
0: (laughs) Well, there is that. Uh, All right, well, let's do, uh, are you fucking kidding me? And then we will move on to round number two, Ben. Uh, what's your, are you fucking kidding me for this week?
1: My, are you fucking kidding me? Goes out to the, the George Zimmerman trial, the dude on trial in Florida for shooting Trayvon Martin
0: current events. All
1: right. Well, I don't know, Chad, if you noticed this week, but uh, it came up in a witness's attempt to describe the fight that he saw between Craig von Martin and George Zimmerman, uh, right before George Zimmerman shot the dude, uh, and he described it as uh, an MMA-style fight, and with ground and pound, and there was a lot of talk about those terms. Uh, my already fucking kidding me goes out to them because... Dude, what you're describing is just what a fight looks like. That's kind of the whole point of MMA, right? It was that we stripped away a lot of the rules in from other combat sports to see what real fights look like. It's not as if... Just because dudes are doing that, that means that they are somehow more adept at fighting or more dangerous or you should shoot them because, holy God, they're going to kill you. It's like if you saw two dudes punching each other in the parking lot of a bar at 2 a.m. and you'd be like, man, there's a couple of boxers. There's a boxing match going on. Yes. A, a bout, a boxing bout right here in the, in the bar of the parking lot. No, it's just a couple of dudes fighting. That's all it is.
0: Are you fucking kidding me with this bullshit? Are you fucking kidding me? Like I, like I always do, I just hope that every time Nancy Grace says ground and pound on HLN that she's got to scratch a check to Mark Coleman for like <laughs> six cents he or could, something like he that. He could use that. He could use that money. Yeah, I know he could. Yeah. yeah. It's too bad he didn't make that a registered trademark or whatever. Also, I feel like George Zimmerman's Coleman index is probably pretty high <laughs> or low. We never figured out. How no, it
1: we never did. But, hey, I mean, if Mark Coleman had a gun that he could pull out whenever he started losing a fight, that, hey, he
0: might have been the greatest of all time. Why are you fucking kidding me this week? It's it's it, it's also topical, and it plays into the topic of this round. And that's, dear God, did you see the pictures that Mark Munoz put up of how fat he got after <laughs> losing to Chris Weidman yeah. and now has gotten himself back in shape uh, and claims to be in the best shape of his life, uh, oddly enough, heading into a fight or whatever. And that never happens. Uh, so, uh and it's not even negative. It's just like when I saw the picture of fat Mark Munoz looking like me with his shirt off. I was like, "Are you fucking kidding me, dude? Are you fucking kidding me?" I need whatever it is that Mark Munoz had that got him down to his current shape, and I believe that is heart and <laughs> desire. <laughs> he did look fat, though. <laughs> anyway, are you fucking kidding I'm me? kidding me, Mark Munoz. All right, we're gonna go on to round number two right now.
1: Chad, you've seen it, I've seen it, I assume by now the whole world has seen it, but E. Casey Lydon, uh, the, the the main man when it comes to making sweet-ass MMA videos, made a sweet-ass MMA video where he spent two days in Stockton with War MMA, uh, Nick Diaz's new MMA promotion, and holy shit, that video is awesome.
0: It... Might be the single greatest MMA video of all time. Yeah,
1: that's what I decided because I, I felt like around the point when uh Nick Diaz, the guy running the promotion and and at some point rumored to be Nick Diaz's legal counsel Jonathan Tweedale uh, when he locks his keys in the car, you're like, okay, that's funny. When they go get a psy, some teenage mutant ninja turtle shit to try and open it up and get the keys out, then it's something you never seen before. Around the time when he's swearing into the phone, and a dude is bench pressing in the house
0: shirtless right, right, right in the back or what i call ben folk style <laughs> i think that's where you're like awesome
1: i feel like especially just the glimpse it gives us into nick diaz's world uh this is an important video in the field of nick diaz studies
0: oh yeah yes maybe the seminal most <laughs> video it's a landmark accomplishment uh as you said at the top casey Leiden, best in the business yeah. and that is front and center. When it comes center. to
1: shooting and editing, I mean people hire teams of people to do what he does.
0: Yeah, that would that's front and center throughout this video. It's funny because I feel like maybe on last week's podcast or maybe the week before, we just got done saying War MMA strikes us as a regional promotion. Probably no reason to really talk about it. And then this fucking awesome video <laughs> drops like the next day. And now we're back here the following week. And it's just, well, we can't not talk about it. It's too awesome. Yeah. We have to talk about it. And actually, I want to say this before we go on, because I owe you a debt of thanks here. Because when the video first came out, I sat down and I tried to watch it. And as so often happens with me when MMA people are uh, portrayed on video, I got too <laughs> embarrassed uh, and had to turn it off. So I actually turned it off after like the first three minutes. Big and mistake. then. A few hours later, you emailed me, and you were like, have you fucking seen this? And I was like, all right, well, I'll give this thing a, a second look. And holy shit, am I glad that I did, because it is amazing. Yeah, And I assume everyone who's listening to this podcast has seen it, but if you have not, run over to MMAFighting.com immediately and watch it, because it's outstanding. Well, and the thing is, too, that, like, for one thing, it shifted my
1: Thinking on War MMA because I remember we talked about okay, hey, it's a regional promotion, it kind of looks like it. Uh, Some, you know, based on what we saw afterwards, it's like, yeah, it's like any number of regional, local promotions that get local guys to fight uh, and uh, can pull off a halfway decent product. That, you know, sure, that could be on Access TV, whatever. Um, After seeing all the stuff from behind the scenes and seeing the people who are responsible for putting it together. I'm way more impressed with it. I'm
0: way more impressed well, yeah, with the final product. Like a I can't fucking believe miracle that it
1: happened. Yeah, right? I can't believe it happened. Seriously, they, like. If I hadn't known the outcome already by the time like I saw the video, I would have been ready to assume that they would have never gotten past that weigh-in at the Buffalo Wild Wings. That didn't even look
0: like it was going to happen, man. And honestly, there's so many highlights in the video that it's hard to even uh, put them in order. Although we should say. Uh, Nick Diaz's house looks like they staged it like they had a professional Hollywood set designer come in and create what you would imagine Nick Diaz's house would look like complete with throwing knives target and bench press a heavy bag heavy bag in yeah. the front room just seeing the house I think really helps us in the field of Nick Diaz
1: studies uh, like checking off the list of like things that we wonder whether Nick Diaz gave a fuck about like You know, furniture? Nope. You know, like living room layout and and decor? Nope. You know, you can just kind of go to – and, you know, not pissing off your neighbors by having your friends over smoking weed and yelling and breaking into each other's cars out in front of your house during the middle of the day? Nope. You know, you can just – it's so enlightening and it also makes me though feel like the chances are greater that Nick Diaz eventually runs out of money and has to go back to fighting. I already assumed that was going to happen. Now I'm almost sure, Will, after seeing that this is what's going on with his life.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, there's a lot of scenes in this video that scholars of uh, Diazian studies for years to come are going to be freezing the video and being like, what's that? Enhance that. <laughs> Zoom in on. Is that a, dear God, is that a throwing knives target? <laughs> it's a. It's amazing. Uh, one of my personal favorite performances in the video hits very close to home for me, the local reporter from the Stockton record, uh, whose name escapes me at the moment, but, uh, he's almost the star of the video because he comes to the weigh in at Buffalo wild wings, clearly just to talk to Nick Diaz so he can, uh, uh, write a Sunday column or something about war MMA and Nick Diaz's uh, attempts to transition into the world of promoting and of Scott
1: Linnesburg,
0: Scott Linnesburg,
1: Linnesburg, Linesburg, something. Something.
0: Linesburg. So obviously this guy goes to the weigh in and Nick Diaz is not there and then gets into a uh, a war of words, I guess, with Jonathan Tweedale, the, the, the guy who's who's uh, pretty much running the show behind the scenes at war MMA, which, dear God, I don't even know. You how don't, you don't how really, a human being does that? You don't it, even run things behind the scenes at War MMA. You grab on and, and you, you just hold, hang on for yeah. dear life. Uh, so the, the and of course the, Nick Diaz is not there. So the local reporter gets into it with Jonathan Tweedale, and uh, Jonathan Tweedale is trying to do the promoter thing where he's saying you don't you don't need to talk to Nick Diaz. The stars of the show are here. The stars of the show are the fighters. And to his credit, Scott Linesdale from the, S- Linesburg from the Stockton record doesn't back down. And he says, essentially, you assholes sent out a press release today <laughs> saying that Nick Diaz was going to be here.
1: Yeah, you're selling this thing based on Nick Diaz and you don't have him here.
0: And then, of course, we get to see after the event has gone down that Scott Linesberg does, in fact, get to interview Nick Diaz and... I assume writes a glowing column for the Stockton record about war MMA. And that's the kind of uh, storytelling, circular storytelling you get with a Casey Lydon video where he doesn't <laughs> leave you hanging about Scott Linesberg. You find out later that he did get to interview Nate Eric Diaz and everything worked out.
1: I don't know about worked out, but yeah, something something happened there at the end. You know, also, though, in that video, we – I don't get the sense that e- – even before this video came out and became a viral sensation among the MMA community that Nick Diaz was really, really planning on doing another show. Now, after this, first of all, I wonder how Nick Diaz is going to take it. Uh, and I, now, you know, you wonder like, is he th- seeing something like that and thinking like, well, that, that went awesome. That was totally
0: awesome. We, we came off as a bunch of badasses right there. Look at that dude smoking weed. That was awesome. like, it's impossible to know. And again, it it plunges us into this world where where you have to try to figure out, like, for starters, how they envisioned this in their minds, how they thought this was going to go, inviting a videographer, a reporter behind the scenes at an event, something that the UFC, by the way, would never fucking do in a million years. Not that dudes would be bench pressing and smoking weed while Dana White was on the on the laptop trying to figure out who was attacking the stream. That'd Uh, be awesome, though. But but for this reason, that there's (laughs) probably a lot of fucking chaos going on behind the scenes and they don't want people to see that shit. So, number one, you invite a reporter behind the scenes into your camp to 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 film this stuff that probably should not be disseminated to the public. Number two, when the videographer is there hanging out with you, you allow a bunch of dudes to smoke weed out of giant bongs and lift weights with their shirts off <laughs> in front of the reporter. <laughs> That's awesome. And third, since we know that this is the Nick Diaz camp, we can say with without pause and without any question that this camp probably lacks the... Uh, clarity to figure out who they should be mad at about this like you know if they don't if they felt like they weren't portrayed in a flattering way like who's to blame the reporter or the dude with his shirt off who was lifting weights and smoking (laughs) weed and flipping off the camera because i gotta say the latter man
1: you know i have a feeling that that dude right now is watching the video showing it over and over to his friends and being like yeah right there check that shit out that's what I think is more likely happening. But hey, I'm just glad that they did allow the camera in there in the first place because uh, that that was the most entertaining 20-minute video uh, I've seen in a long time.
0: Once again, just underscores the fact that we are still knee-deep in the golden age of mixed martial arts coverage where these guys have enough money to do shit like this, but they don't have anyone to tell them that it's not a good idea to let a videographer follow your insane posse of dudes <laughs> who are somehow going to pull off an MMA show but they it. around they for two it days. They pull it off. It's incredible. It did happen. And, and, and I think that, that, and the, you, the, the fights that the,
1: the fight footage in that is actually really good too.
0: Yeah. Very well done.
1: That captures something. I think about the, the local the feel like of a local MMA show, like where, you know, people are close enough and quiet enough that, uh, you can really hear these dudes thumping each other on the skull. Uh, And, I mean, the whole thing just beautifully done, and uh, the field of Nick Diaz studies is richer for it.
0: Absolutely. So kudos to uh, Casey Leiden for doing that. Uh, If you haven't seen the video, again, you really should check it out because it's pretty mind-blowing Ben is there anything else that you want to add to this discussion about this awesome video anything we didn't talk about any personal highs for you no pun intended in terms of 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 the of the stuff that we get to see uh within this master work
1: no I feel like I feel like we covered everything
0: all right well in that case we are just going to go ahead and segue straight into round number three which starts right now Well, Ben, the issue of fighter pay in the UFC was back in the news in a big way this week. We had multiple fighters, uh, both past and present, uh, making statements about compensation rates in the UFC. We saw uh, Tim Kennedy issue what appeared to be some harsh statements and then immediately issue an apology. Moments later, we saw uh, Nate Quarry give an interview where he was... uh, uh, I thought pretty respectful, but also critical of how the u f c compensates his athletes and 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 even put forth some ideas about how to make it better uh we saw war machine uh attempt to craft an argument of some kind about fighter salaries, but really just kind of went off on a, another homophobic rant, which is sort of like his default setting, I yeah. think, at this he, point.
1: He had to get down to Taco Bell.
0: Uh, <laughs> I know that uh, that you authored uh, one of your famous think pieces over on uh, on MMA Junkie. Really,
1: that's what we're doing now? We switched to think pieces?
0: <laughs> uh, so I just, what, what's, your, what's your take on this? What's, what's going on with all of this hubbub about fighter pay? Well, you know, it's one of those
1: things where when, like MMA is a, different from a lot of pro sports in that you never hear anybody really talking about like, these overpaid MMA fighters. Like that just doesn't happen and that's something that exists in like all other sports where it's like oh these guys with these bloated salaries and that's that's not happening in MMA. The guys who are doing, you know, there's a few guys at the top who are doing really well and even they are not approaching like that Floyd Mayweather kind of crazy money for doing their sport. So I mean obviously I think MMA fighters deserve to be paid better, especially what we ask of them. Uh, and the complete lack of security that they have. I think the question is, like, how do they get it, and, like, to what extent is it an obligation on the UFC's part to to go in there and fix that on its own?
0: Yeah, and, uh, you know, you brought up a good point that that uh, you, you see very few people uh, saying that MMA fighters are overpaid, and yet it still is a contentious issue within the fan base, it seems like, and just an issue where you're never going to get a hundred percent of the people to agree that professional athletes ought to get paid more for whatever reason. And I don't know if that is just kind of a, a carryover stigma from the fact that these baseball players are getting $27 million a year or, or that, uh, you know, we, I think
1: no one likes to hear you complain about money.
0: Yeah, that's probably, that's probably the case. It just seems strange to me, at least that there is a healthy percentage or seemingly a healthy percentage of MMA fans that, that, comes down on the side of the issue that, well, no one is holding a gun to these guys' head and making them go out there and fight. You know, they signed the contract. They ought to live up to it. You know, basically, essentially like – and for the most part, guys are. Yeah, and just that's say, the thing. Living is up I, to it. I, I think that there, you can
1: say that, you know, you think that the situation needs to get better for everybody. Uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're saying like, screw this. I'm out of here. I'm not a, – a, a, agreeing to abide by the terms of this contract because I feel like it's unfair to me. Uh, I mean, I do think it's hard for guys who are still in the UFC to be able to find a way to make that point um, without then the UFC turnaround and coming down on them. And then they have to issue a Facebook apology a couple of days later. You know, there's got to be a way like to have that conversation without it just turning into like, you know, an inflammatory headline grabbing thing um, that then doesn't really advance the topic at all. You know, and I feel like with MMA fighters especially, it's it's one of those things where it's easy to – like it's a cutthroat sport to begin with, right? It's easy to just make that claim like, hey, if you're not the best, then get out of the sport. If you're the best, then you make a bunch of money. Well, yeah, I mean that doesn't really exist in other sports, and you need you those need other guys around. You need guys, right? You yeah. need guys who aren't the best. And when you're making money off of them, then they deserve some of that money. I mean that's just kind of how that works. I also feel like though that – some Sometimes with fighters, when we hear them make the case for it, like when Tim Kennedy made the case and he was like trying to break down, okay, well, this is what I'm going to get. But then I have to spend money on all these other things. And it's like – and he included nutrition in the list of like things that he has to spend money on. It's like, okay, so eating. Like that's – I mean that's kind of what we all – that's not a new problem.
0: <laughs> I mean I understand yeah, no, he has to eat better. We all eat. But, uh, and we think, do. but
1: it's like I can't complain about like I got to pay for my food out of my own pocket, man. Right. Like – that doesn't, that's kind of the situation for most people. Like, so it, and they go, like, oh, you know, gym fees and, and management fees and, and coaches and sparring partners and all that stuff. And it's like, well, yeah, well, I mean, that's all stuff like to some extent or another that you have to do as an MMA fighter. Um, but like, those are costs for you, the individual to think about. It's not like, because you have to, you know, you feel like you got to have free range chicken breast that that then necessarily makes it like a moral obligation for the UFC to pay you more.
0: Yeah, it does seem a little bit like a wrong, though, when guys like John Cholish, who admittedly was never a big time star in the UFC or even a a contributor really in his weight class. But it it always strikes me as as, you know, kind of a slap in the face about the state of the sport when he comes out and says stuff like, uh, you know, when I if I get paid five thousand dollars for this fight, I end up losing money on it which and I don't mean slap in the face like John Cholas shouldn't have said that it's a slap in the face for me to hear that it always kind of wakes me up and say, and 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 you know forces me to confront the issue like wait a second that's that's where we're at here that these guys yeah. who are on these these uh, these lower tier fights with the which the UFC is still, you know, using as content and still assumedly making money off of even if those guys aren't draws to speak of, that's certainly not the the only metric by which to judge their value. And, uh, and so it's always kind of a rude awakening or, or a wake up call, I guess you'd say to hear guys like john trollish talk about how they, and, you know, they end up having these 6 week fight camps and and then they fight and even if they win they still end up losing money that just seems like a terrible proposition
1: yeah well and you know guys like like Cole Conrad who was doing well in his MMA career and then decided it'd be better to quit and go get a job like when that stuff is happening that tells you that there's not a whole lot of money cuz you just don't really see that that often with like baseball players who you know are are definitely major league quality um and then deciding like yeah, but uh, my old man runs a construction company back home in New Jersey. I could I could get on there and that'd be kind of sweet. Like, when that's a, a legitimate position where the guys have to consider, is this better than getting a job? Then that's a completely different, like, level of pro athlete. And yet the UFC, in all the other ways, like it's on Fox and, and what it tells us about itself, I mean, acts like a major sport. Right, so can you really do that? Like, if you're going to be a major sport and you have these guys, even the guys who are doing really well and are making well below what would be, you know, the minimum in like Major League Baseball or the NFL or something. I mean, how long can is is that dichotomy sustainable?
0: Yeah, and one of the weirder things I think about this topic is that it's always been sort of a hot button topic for the UFC. Uh, For starters, it's a hard topic to report on really because there are so few willing sources obviously of guys who are still involved in the in the promotion and I think anytime you talk to a guy who is a a former fighter it always comes off a little bit like he has an axe to grind Uh, but it's a difficult issue to report on because the UFC's are so much about the UFC's finances is not public so much of it is private we really have no idea how much they're taking home you know, at the end of the day, how much the, the the owners of the company are putting in their pockets as as compared to the percentage of of revenue that they're paying out to the athletes, we really don't know uh, what it is, and that makes it a difficult issue to discuss. One and of the they things, want it that
1: way. They essentially right. keep it that way.
0: Sure, and 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 because of that, I think it's always very strange whenever this kind of news comes out because the UFC always reacts really really strongly to it and really. Uh, they kind of pop off about it. I remember the the ESPN Outside the Line story, which was a story that probably wasn't flawlessly done, uh, to be honest with you. But at the same time, the response that it evoked from the UFC was just weird. That the UFC freaked out so much and like produced their own like ten minute response video where dudes like Forrest Griffin talked about how sweet it was to work for the UFC and how much money they made and like. Whenever you respond that kind of stringently to something, it always makes me seem like, all right, well, we're on the right path here. You know what I mean? Like if they were just – if they kind of played it cool, it would be better for them because they always kind of go off to such an extent that you think like, well, this kind of makes it look like like they got caught doing something. It's
1: like if I come over to your house like when you're having a party, right, and I'm like, oh, man – I didn't even realize you had a basement down there. It's always, like, closed up and stuff. And you're like, well, hey, what a man does in his basement is his own private business. I don't see any reason why you need to talk about what goes on down in a man's basement. He, If you want to keep that locked, that means nobody should even be, you know, thinking or looking at it. Like, And then you're like, okay, well, that eventually. That it
0: seem like you got a couple girls chained up down there. <laughs>
1: eventually I got to break into his basement and see what Chad is doing down there. Uh, you know, it is that, that kind of thing. And also I think it's hard for the fighters to approach because – you know, you don't want to be, you don't want to come off as a guy who is whining about money because, again, yeah, hey, if it was that bad, you could go do something else. Um, but at the same time, like, you think about what they go through and, and, you know, how difficult that sport is and how short amount of time most guys can do it for. And it's like, do we want to have, like, the really good athletes, the really, like, the the people who could really do something in the sport and you know who also have options to do shit in other sports do we want them to consider MMA like as a viable option or do we want to just take the the like hey as long as it's two dudes in gloves hitting each other in the face we can pay just about anybody to do that i mean i think we want higher quality like we want better fights and i think there's a lot of guys who you know if we had the ability to like even compete in mma with the other major sports as as far as you know what it will do to your body and what you will get in return if you're really good at it. like right now it's not even close like if you could play linebacker in the nfl or you could be a ufc champion i mean even a middling linebacker in the nfl that seems like financially a better deal for you
0: yeah and i know that guys don't want to make it seem like they're whining but to me it doesn't come off as whining if you know the the latest reports that we heard are, are that one of the guys who owns the company is worth 150 million dollars, and John Cholish is losing money participating <laughs> in the UFC. That's that doesn't come off to me as as whining. That just seems like a a wrong that exists. Like yeah. if you're if you're a professional athlete, you shouldn't you shouldn't come out you know losing money unless it's by your own, unless it's because you bought a Jesus piece, you know, and, yeah. and the Bentley.
1: Or you stayed up all night uh, playing blackjack in a Vegas casino, which one of the other owners of the company does.
0: Uh, anyway, I guess, you know, this is a conversation that is probably going to go on into the future. I don't know if there's a thing that, that can really uh, be done to to uh, put it right, except for maybe a, like 180 degree about face on the UFC's part in terms of what it's willing to invest uh, in its athletes. And again, we don't know anything about their financials. Maybe they're paying these guys as much as they possibly can.
1: You know, I don't think that's the case, but I, I do think like that this kind of gradual pressure, like, you know, people always say like, Oh, it's going to take one of the big guys. I mean, if there was going to be like some kind of rising of fighters, like in, in forming some kind of union, then yeah, it would take somebody from way up there on the top, somebody who doesn't need it to get it going. But in order to, to gradually increase the pay, I think as long as it stays a, a topic of interest and a topic of conversation and not something where uh, you can just be satisfied knowing nobody gives a shit which you, you pay these guys, uh, you know, it's already improved. And I think it'll, it'll keep improving as long as that, that kind of low-level gradual pressure exists.
0: Yeah, we need more smart guys to talk about it, to be honest with you. We need more guys like John Trollish. We need more guys like Tim Kennedy. We need more guys uh, like Nate Quarry to, to, to talk about it. And, uh, you know, uh, preferably not immediately withdraw their statements and issue an apology <laughs> after it's done.
1: And the thing, too, is in Tim Kennedy's statement, the thing I have to take issue with is when he claims that his comments were taken out of context, oh, which no, seems like just a thing that ridiculous. everybody throws in now, like when trying to backtrack on something they said is that like even – they, they don't even think about what that means anymore. That right? No, it's taken the first vestige
0: of like a scoundrel or like a guy <laughs> who's trying to cover his ass. It just there, there's there's you, you there's no possible way he was that all of that was taken out of context. He wasn't that even is... asked a question about fighter pay and he went off on fighter pay like that was the context.
1: You don't get to be like, well, you got baited into it or something. I mean, we can hear what the context was, man. Come on.
0: Yeah, no. People are all. It all. It always makes me laugh whenever I see somebody say that they were taken out of context because it's just something that sources say because no one really knows what it means exactly. You know, like especially when 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 you you have a big, you know, not, and not necessarily Tim Kennedy's case, but like uh, you, we always see it like guys say they were taken out of context when it's like. They're quoted as in like complete paragraphs. Yeah, and like saying, a big block and then later they're quote. like, "Oh, I was taken out of context." And it's like, "What could the context possibly have been?" Did you say "psych" after you were it? <laughs> yeah, like
1: what? Or did you before they the quote started? You had told the reporter, "I don't personally believe any of what I'm about to say," and then said it, and they didn't. They just cut it off there or something. Yeah, no, that's that's just not how it works. But also, you're right. We do need uh, some guys capable of making a nuanced point when they talk about this. Which, when you say that, I hear. Not War Machine.
0: No, probably Maybe not, not War machine. machine. He's probably not the guy you want to elect as the president of your uh, workers' union. Uh, all right, well, let's do uh, Just Saying Stuff, and then we will get out of here. Ben, this week, my Just Saying Stuff is it's a bit of a sad one. It's been a, a sad day today uh, in the mixed martial arts world. Uh, we lost one of the greats, um, one of the guys that we all thought would just be around forever. Maybe we took him for granted. A lot of times that we would always have this this pillar of the community to uh, to to hang our hat on.
1: I don't know where this could possibly be going.
0: Unfortunately, Ben, i, I hate to break it to you this way, but Gilbert Ivol retired from mixed martial arts. Today. Oh, no, not Gilbert so for the last time.
1: Why are he always getting fucked, man? Gilbert.
0: Gilbert, we can never do it again, brother. We could never do it again. That's
1: probably better for everyone. I'm just saying.
0: Just saying. Jed, my just
1: saying stuff, uh, this one came via a tip from you. Hmm. You sent me a particularly humorous, uh, not though probably intended that way, uh, tweet from uh, Ariani Celeste, UFC Octagon girl, Ariani Celeste, Benjamal Lopez Concepcion, uh, and it led me down a rabbit hole to her personal website, which has a blog on it, Chad. No, get out of town. A blog, uh, mostly devoted to uh, ways that you can uh, stay healthy and sexy. Um, That's amazing. Which I know is important to you.
0: That is. Uh, and before you, go, let me just interject that the I looked, after you told me about this, I looked and looked at uh, Ariani's tips for staying in shape. And I'm just going to. Just to give you a taste of what's going on over at the website, the number two tip for how to stay in shape is to work out regularly. <laughs> that is important. That's what keeps the readers coming back for more. Yeah, we'll see.
1: And that's kind of where I'm going with my just saying stuff. Um, you know, I'm not saying that uh, that Ariani Celeste shouldn't have a blog on her website or that it even should be focused on other than basically that what seems to be the same article over and over again. I'm just saying that once I actually started to look at it, it seems updated more regularly and not horribly than most fighter websites I have Ouch, seen. Ouch, whoa. I'm just saying.
0: Just saying. I
1: mean, they actually have stuff they would want to keep you apprised of on their website. Ariane just got like workout regularly
0: tips and it's just still a little more active on there. Got our shit together a little bit. Just saying. Just saying. Anyway, that is going to do it for the co-main event podcast this week. We'll be back next week breaking down all the crazy shit that happens at UFC 162. Uh, as for right now, though, we're done. We're through. We're out. Another tip uh, from that website? Yeah.
1: Juice as much as you can.
0: Really? Yeah. Now, see, that sounds like something that would be at a fighter website. Yeah. Just what? juice as much as possible. Just, yeah.
1: What is that? What do you got? Is that a hoagie? Put it in the juicer. Yeah. <laughs> You know Ben some it's, watermelon, we'll they force some sunny bee over and the
0: juice. It's important in this.